Welcome to Bridgeton, Maine, home of David Drayton, movie poster artist, and his son, Billy. Today, it is enveloped in a thick white mist. David, Billy, and a significant chunk of the townsfolk end up trapped in their local supermarket as the mist takes over the town. But it's not the mist that they should fear. It's the vicious creatures inside of it. Slowly but surely, the people in the store start to lose their minds with fear, and their rational selves are lost and replaced by monsters in their own right, who are willing to do anything, no matter how horrific, to save themselves. From director Frank Darabont, our selection today is 2007's The Mist. I'm Connor Zagari. And I'm Austin Johnson. And welcome to the first filmgasm of 2020. Happy New Year, listeners. 2019 is dead and buried, and 2020 has risen in its place. Here's to a phenomenal decade. Make it the best one yet. Hell yeah. I think we just had the best year in movies in the decade. Oh, yeah. Um, like you said, I don't remember which episode, but you said something about the nines. Yeah. It's really... 99, <laughs> 89, yeah. It always works really well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just... I, I've actually been looking just out of curiosity over the years i i just think i think there's no competition i think 2019 is better than 2010 11 12 so on and so forth i think it's the best it has uh, been I, I wouldn't even say it's recency biased i think these are just really really good movies yeah uh, that have happened this year and it's it's been awesome i'm so glad we've been able to talk about some of them oh yes and we're still going to be um diving into more as time goes on we're still going to be doing releasing what uncut gems uh we're gonna be doing what, what else do we have? We got a Richard Jewell plan. 1917. 1917 um, we're going to do. Uh, Just Mercy comes out of the same. Also. Possibly Bombshell. Yeah. So 2019 is not over yet for exactly. us. Exactly. So like for us, we're still going to be talking about films from 2019. Uh, but, you know, and, and also moving forward in 2020. You know? Yeah. It's great. It is good. It's really cool. Very exciting. And I am very excited to dive into The Mist. Oh, yes. 2007 classic. One of my favorite horror films of the 2000s. Easily one of the most well-adapted King stories. Yeah. Frank and Darabont, man. Yeah. The guy has a, a vein right into King. It's amazing. And I think this is one that doesn't get enough credit. When people talk about great Stephen King adaptations, I don't often hear The Mist. It doesn't even it. get mentioned. Yeah. But it's, it scares the shit out of me. It's one of the scariest character stories he's ever done it's one of my favorite king films um pa- maybe my top five i don't know i have to really look at that it's hard yeah that's a but good this, one <laughs> but this is like man it spooks me spooks me out man and, and talk about a you know a, a vibe a certain atmosphere you get it's not that, even about the monsters either it's no. about what people are willing to do to one yeah and, and, the and the sounds and yeah the, the yeah the characterizations here are, are are amazing because of the situation they're put in yeah it's great yeah. It's brilliant. Fantastic. We hope you enjoyed last week's Black Christmas episode, another underrated horror classic that deserves praise. Next week, we're celebrating another Weird Shit Wednesday, this time diving into the back-to-back critical disaster that was Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Joel Schumacher's timeless contribution to the Batman franchise. Can't wait. How did these films come about? Why did nobody stop this? Find out next week. But first, it's time for the Rewind, where we look for updates on past episodes. Got a few for you today. One on episode 5, Quentin Tarantino. One on episode 14, Carrie. And another on bonus number 8, Joker. First, Quentin Tarantino will be receiving the Director of the Year Award at the upcoming Palm Springs International Film Festival for his work on his ninth feature film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And well-deserved. Well-deserved. Yeah. For sure. I'd encourage anyone who's a fan of his, he 
was just on. I was telling you about it. Yeah. He's just on the Rewatchables podcast as a guest. The Rewatchables is a podcast that talks about a specific film and they dive into like the history of it and what it means for our culture. And they typically don't have a guest on. It's just usually two or three people that work for The Ringer yeah. and for the Rewatchables podcast. Uh, well, they had Quentin Tarantino as a guest, and he is talking about the first one. He's going to be doing three films, that he's choosing all of them. The first one was Dunkirk. That just came out yesterday. So I, I would highly encourage fans of his to go check that out because it's rare that you find him as open as he is in these. So, yeah, definitely go check it out if you're a Tarantino fan. Absolutely. And, yeah, I mean... The guy just keeps adding on things to his resume. They're like, oh, okay, yeah. I think this is the best chance he's ever had at taking director of the Oscars. And and best picture. Maybe. Like yeah. his film taking best picture. Just hoping. There's an actual race going on right now. I think he's a ringer for screenplay. This do, year. You, do, you, do you think you have an idea, like a, a legitimate prediction at what's going to win best picture? I got nothing. I hope it's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think, it, I think it's like a five-way race. It's anybody's game. Marriage Story. Yeah, Parasite could sneak in. I think Joker even has Once a Upon chance. a Time. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, Uncut Gems, like Uncut Gems, has done what exactly what it what it what it wanted to do. It's yeah. like a huge hit. Didn't spend a lot of money. Has these awesome stars in it, and the it's actually really good. The you know the the performances are really good. The the intensity is really high, and it, people love it. So <laughs> those are the kind of movies that sometimes sneak in at the Oscars, and like like Moonlight. Yeah, an A twenty four film that snuck in, made some good money. People were like, yo, this is really cool. This is really different. I kind of feel that way. Obviously, Uncut Gems is a way different film, but yeah. I feel that way about the uh, the word of mouth and the uh, just kind of the, the well, rolling always, around it. It always feels more heartwarming when an indie film gets that kind of attention. For sure. The awards and Uncut Gems, uh, just for anyone out there who's interested, is uh, the highest, for, for opening, uh, box office opening weekend, the highest A24, uh, you know, they've made the most money for an opening weekend. That's fantastic. Uncut Gems, you know. That's Pre- great. Previously, you know, like Hereditary did really well. You know, the films like that, Midsommar, you know. Uh, but uh, that, that, that's that's great. You got you to gotta think it's uh, Adam Sandler who kind of drew that. Th- th- those people who knew, didn't quite know what they were getting into. Oh, yeah. <laughs> great film. <laughs> Definitely yeah. check out, be on the lookout for our bonus on that one. Yeah, we'll be launching that in a few weeks. Yeah, it's so much fun. What a great movie. <laughs> for sure. But, but yeah, I mean, Connor and I, are, we, we've kind of seen everything. Um, for the most part. That's good. That, pretty much everything that's up for like a Golden Globe uh, that we can right now. Yeah. Uh, we have Sam Mendes, you know, 1917, which is going to make a lot of noise. Yes. We're both very excited to see that. But we, we you know, we, we went out and saw Richard Jewell recently. We're, we're trying to yeah. cover all of our bases so we can be ready for that race. Because I, I really do have, I have no idea. Um, if I had to predict right now, I would say Marriage Story. But I, I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> I like not knowing. I like Me there too. not being a sure Me too. thing for and, I like not knowing when they're all movies I like. Yeah. Because <laughs> last year you hated most of them. Yeah. Well, I didn't hate two, two of them. I, I, two of them I thought shouldn't be there. And that would be Green Book and Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. I don't think they belonged anywhere near there. <laughs> if Beale Street Could Talk was pulled out for those two, come on, man. You know, that's crazy. Crazy talk. I just thought there were other movies that were better last year. Yeah. I think this year is superior in, yeah. in, in, all around. Uh, I think we have better horror. I don't know if we have better horror because Hereditary came out last year. But we have, I think all around, it's just been a better year. Yeah. Um, you know, Endgame was unbelievable. You know, blew everybody's mind, you know. Um, I haven't seen the new Star Wars, so I can't say. <laughs> but it's been, but I've enjoyed the balance of giant films doing well and actually being good, good content. And then stuff that's like, you know, like you said, the indie, the A24 stuff. It's been great. It has been great. Quite enjoyed it. It's been a nice year. Oh, yeah. The Oscars are going to be great. Oh, can't wait. <laughs> 
Globes, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're just kind of fun. They're like, the trashy Oscars. Yeah. We all know that. <laughs> Next up, FX has announced an upcoming limited series remake of Stephen King's Carrie. Nobody has been attached to it yet, as the project is in early stages. I don't know how I feel about this. Of all the King content out there, why do you pick the one that's been done to death? I don't yeah, know. I, only, only if, the, if it's in the right hands will I even uh, try watching it. Yeah. I won't have much faith. Carrie is it's never going to be topped. The 76 <laughs> classic is one of the best. Arguably the, the best, you know, some could say, you know, obviously, obviously there's like the heavy hitters, but you, you could say it's, you know, I wouldn't have a problem with someone saying it's their favorite or the best yeah. Stephen King adaptation. I think it's one of the heavy hitters it's, for sure. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah. It's frightening. Frightening from the 70s, mm-hmm. you know. it's. Uh, I think they're going to... It, when they do make this, I feel like they're going to suffer the same problem the 2013 version had, where they cast a girl who's conventionally pretty, and supposed, we're supposed to believe that she's, you know, picked on because she looks different. Like, yeah. I'm Chloe Moretz, are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like yeah. they're going to do that again. Finally, Kevin Smith has claimed that there exists an alternate ending to Todd Phillips' Joker, one where Arthur Fleck is responsible for the murder of Thomas and Martha Wayne, as well as the surprise murder of Bruce Wayne immediately after. He hasn't named a source, but he says it's somebody close to the production. This ending would have changed everything for the movie and the possible future DCEU connections by creating a world without Batman with a Joker and his anarchy reign supreme. What do you think about this? This ending? Uh, Too much? Yeah, and I'm, I'm so... I'm so... Um, in that dream world of, of that... Or we're possibly going to see within the next five years, like Joaquin and Robert Pattinson on the same screen, maybe yeah. as Batman and Joker. And I'm, I'm all my marbles in my mind are on that, so I, I'm just not really. That doesn't really pique my interest. Well, I'm sure that DC executives didn't sign off on that because they possibly want to use Joaquin well, later. Well, I on. think DC is in the is is obviously not. I think they obviously are in the point where they have to take some risk and make some gambles and do some things. Because they're so far behind their competitor, yeah. Marvel, uh, Disney. <laughs> Not even and, a race anymore. No, exactly. Exactly. That's why when I say I think, I'm just like, well, obviously, the facts are there. The content hasn't been as good. Joker is finally this movie where it's like, oh, okay. For the first time in 10 years, you know, we're seeing some really good stuff uh, from DC. So that's really exciting. And I want them to protect that and hold on to that like Marvel has for their shit. Yeah. Take care of their characters. Don't be stupid. Don't kill off. Don't kill off the the don't don't do that. I don't think that would be. What are we gonna have? One sequel with Joaquin like reigning over Gotham and like then that, then it's over. I want some stakes. Well, I feel like DC's biggest problem is when they get something that's successful, they analyze it to death and they yeah. fuck up what's next. Fumble the shit out of it. Yeah, every time. Yeah, like Patty well, Jenkins Wonder it. Woman. Yeah. That was a success because they let her do her own thing. And I feel like they're gonna micromanage the fuck out of Wonder Woman 1984. Oh yeah, and it's gonna be a disaster. Same deal with Aquaman. They let James Wan just do whatever he wanted, and it was a huge hit for them. They just don't get it. No. No. <laughs> I have heard, though, because of the success of Joker, uh, they are considering a lot more standalone, darker stories. Yeah. And what's being tossed around right now is a possible Batman Beyond live action. It'd be great. And, and they do want Michael Keaton as older Bruce Wayne. It'd be great. Which would be amazing. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, here's open. Wouldn't that be funny? Uh, <laughs> after 2014's uh, Birdman. I know, right? <laughs> or 2015, 14, 15? I don't know. Four, One 14. Yeah, 14, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. Because The Revenant was 15. 
Whiplash is 14 as well, right? Yes. Yeah. They yes. came out the same year. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. They were up against each other. Yeah. Okay. No, I was like upset. <laughs> it's like Whiplash is like timeless. Come on. It's one. Of, yeah. I love Birdman. I really do. I love some aspects of it. I, I like, I love the percussion. I like the cinematography a lot. And I love all the performances. I, the content is a little pretentious. <laughs> I find that to be the case with a lot of movies about movies. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's Hollywood yeah. sucking its own dick, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That gets, you know, redundant. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for sure. I did think Birdman was a great movie. I think Michael Keaton delivered. It, Zach Galifianakis was awesome. Edward but, Gordon was a yeah. knockout. Yeah. But Whiplash was the superior film that year, no doubt. But yeah, <laughs> Whiplash will stand. Yeah. yeah. 50 years from now, people will be talking about that. That movie affected me way more than I expected to. And I think about it all the time. Still, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one of the best of the decade, for oh, sure. Oh, for sure. All right, that's all we got for the Rewind. Had some meaty stuff this week. Hell yeah. Let's talk about The Mist. Let's do this. The Mist began as a novella by Stephen King that was first published in the collaborative short story collection Dark Forces in 1980. It featured 23 original horror stories with King being the headliner. I'd love to get my hands on this. Oh, Yes. <laughs> Probably pretty hard to find. Yeah, <laughs> Expensive, too, maybe. The Mist was later edited and included in King's 1985 short story collection, Skeleton Crew. Great read. Some of his best stuff in that one. It was finally released as its own entity in a paperback in 2007 to coincide with the movie. And I have read The Mist. It's a fantastic story. Hell yeah. I haven't got around to that one, but... Apart from the ending of the movie, it's the same exact story. Sweet. The Mist was released in 2007 and was directed by Frank Darabont, future developer of AMC's flagship series, The Walking Dead. He's a three-time Oscar nominee, having been nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay for his work on 94's The Shawshank Redemption and 99's The Green Mile, the latter of which he also received a nomination for Best Picture for Producing. He's the go-to guy when it comes to Stephen King's work. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He follows the story almost to the letter and only deviates when absolutely necessary. All three of his King movies are solid gold. Yes. After Darabont was fired during The Walking Dead's second season for pretty much being an all-around dick, he developed one short-lived series on TNT called Mob City in 2013, and he's pretty much disappeared since then. Yeah. He's, in, he's notoriously difficult to work with. He harassed the crew, demanded unreasonable shit from AMC that eventually the show did get, which is kind of ironic. Yeah, yeah. And the guy's career has just disappeared because he nobody wants to work with him. Which is really sad because the movies he developed were incredible. Yeah. But the guy's ego is out of control. And that's that has to be, you know, you have to you, you have to take that into account. Yeah, big time. Uh, that's that's really frustrating. Mm. Can, can you imagine just uh, <laughs> Like you know, you're you know you're making something amazing. Like people were working on Shawshank, and you're just like, oh, this guy though, <laughs> this fucking guy. <laughs> his name's gonna be everywhere. <laughs> you look at his IMDb photo, and he looks like a snarky son of a bitch. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. The film stars Thomas Jane as David Drayton, our hero. Jane is a character actor who has been in a ton of stuff, notably Deep Blue Sea, Boogie Nights, The Thin Red Line, Magnolia in the 2004 Punisher film as Frank Castle. To many fans, he's still the definitive Punisher. Yes. And his film's pretty damn good. Yeah. It did not get well-received at the time, but it, it it's aged pretty well. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Especially for that character, the yeah. Punisher. Yeah. I like John Travolta as Howard Saint. <laughs> Such an over-the-top gangster caricature, oh, man. but... <laughs> JT. Oscar winner Marsha Gay Harden plays Mrs. Carmody, one of the scariest villains King ever created. 
If you've seen the movie, you know why. Yeah. Harden won an Oscar for her performance in 2000's Pollock and was also nominated for her role in 2003's Mystic River. Love Mystic River. Fantastic movie. Yeah. She's also appeared in Miller's Crossing, Into the Wild, The Hoax, and the TV series Damages, among others. Yeah, man. She's a highly underrated actress. She really delivers almost every time. Yeah. I feel like the generation above us knows her well. Yeah. And respects her, but Mm -hmm. like people our age... Not really. They don't quite know who she is, which is frustrating. Yeah. It is frustrating. Because she is, to me, she's like the standout Mystic River uh, amongst some great actors. I don't know about that, but she is good, but I wouldn't yeah. say she's the standout. I think she's, obviously Sean Penn, you know, gets a lot of a lot of love. Tim Robbins, Kevin Bacon. I think she's better than all three of them. Yeah. In that Ooh. movie. I think she's great in that movie. That's high praise. Yeah. It's a great, all, they're all amazing. <laughs> it's it's one of, I love that movie. I love Mystic River. It's awesome. It's a sad movie. Very. But it's really good. Lori Holden plays Amanda Dunfrey, local school teacher and friend of David's. Holden is perhaps best known these days for playing the most hated character on The Walking Dead, Andrea, who was killed off in season three due to fan backlash, despite being a huge character in the comics. She also had recurring roles on The X-Files, The Shield, and The Americans, among others. Some about her rubs me the wrong way. I never liked Lori Holden. <laughs> I think it is The Walking Dead. One of those people, yeah, I see, I'm, I'm not a Walking Dead guy. I just... <laughs> I didn't like her in the X Files either. She was a double there you back. go. Yeah, she was a double True. dealing bitch in that too. That I do know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> Andre Brower plays Brent Norton, David's arrogant lawyer neighbor. Brower is best known for his role as Captain Ray Holt on Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, and he is such a prick in this movie. Ah, he pit, he mm. he kind of gets what's coming to him though. Like hell yeah, hell yeah. This guy's this guy sucks. Yeah, not a not a fucking team player. Absolutely this not. This guy's a fucking, he's like a, I don't even know who I'd compare him he's to. He's bitter about old shit. He's yeah. not, he's clearly not grasping the gravity of the situation. No. He thinks that everybody in the store is trying to put one on him. Yeah. Like, dumbass. The arrogance. You've lost your mind. Ugh. Toby Jones plays Ollie Weeks, supermarket employee turned goddamn hero and my favorite character in the movie. Hell yeah. Jones is known for his role as Dr. Arnim Zola in the Captain America franchise and as the voice of Dobby in the Harry Potter franchise. Yes. But he is also a highly accomplished theater actor and well-respected by his peers. Toby Jones is a treasure. Hell yeah. My favorite character as well. Oh, god damn. I love him so, so much. Yeah. He immediately is like, get your shit together. This is a crisis. <laughs> and he never misses a shot with that gun. He's us. Yeah, he's the audience. <sighs> like, yeah. Like, I'm with you, it's man. the man. <laughs> William Sadler plays Jim. One of the most tragic characters in the movie, I think. Yes. Sadler has worked with Darabont a lot, playing Haywood in The Shawshank Redemption and Klaus Detrick in The Green Mile. He also played President Ellis in Iron Man 3 and three episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And for you deep cut fans, he's the Grim Reaper in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Hey. A role he is set to reprise for Bill and Ted's yeah. Face the Music. Yes. I had no idea until I looked this up that Can't he wait. was the Grim Reaper. I couldn't believe that. Can't wait. <laughs> Jeffrey DeMunn plays Dan Miller, the first one to survive the creatures in the mist. DeMunn is another Darabont player, appearing in the Shawshank Redemption as the prosecuting attorney in the beginning of the film, and in the Green Mile as Harry Turbulger, and in The Walking Dead as Dale Horvath. He's also Captain Estridge in past filmgasm topic, The Hitcher. So he's been around for a while, done a lot of stuff. Mr. Dufresne! Yeah, immediately you hate him. Oh yeah. You don't even know if Andy's innocent until like so halfway upset. through the movie. The first five minutes of the movie, you're so upset. You're like, what's going, what's happening to this guy, man? Why do we have such an, we'll save it. We'll save it. 
<laughs> we get to, yeah. <laughs> Gotta hold myself back. All right. Francis Sternhagen plays Irene Repler, the most badass grandma in Maine. Sternhagen appeared in Misery as Virginia and had recurring roles on Sex in the City, ER, and Cheers, among others, big TV actors. And her character is awesome. Fuck yeah. She throws that can of peas at Mrs. Carmody. It's like, stoning people in the Bible is fine, and I've got plenty of peas. I love it. (laughs) So good. Finally, Sam Witwer plays Private Jessup, the soldier who gets sacrificed to the monsters. Witwer is an accomplished character actor, appearing in shows like Dexter, Smallville, Being Human, and Star Wars The Clone Wars as the voice of Darth Maul. He also played Starkiller and Emperor Palpatine in the Force Unleashed video game franchise. I knew he was Starkiller. I had no idea he was at the Emperor. Yes. I looked up some cutscenes. Jesus Christ. Yeah. He was so good. I thought it was Ian McDermott. <laughs> I really did. It's crazy. And I actually met him at Virginia Beach Comic Con a few years ago, and he seemed like a cool dude. Shook my hand. Very nice. He was just walking around, and I so, walked up to him. I was like, hey, man, I'm a big fan. He's like, oh, thank you very much. And I shook his hand. That's great. I was dressed up as the Joker at the time. Nice. I regret Looking back, I I wish I'd approached him as a normal human being. Yeah. (laughs) The Mist has an IMDb score of 7.1, Rotten Tomatoes score of 72%. It was a box office hit, grossing $57 million on a budget of $18 million. It remains Darabont's last directed film before his apparent exile, and I would love to see him do The Stand. Oh. He is the, he's the guy. Agreed. Who should do The Stand? That would be epic. My God. (laughs) We need this. Oh. You pick any King property, and I want him to do it. He's just, he's the guy. (laughs) All right. Let's go into the plot of The Mist. So we open on a thunderstorm damaging David Drayton's house and a mist rolling in on the river or on the lake. Nobody really knows what's going on. They're like, we haven't had mist around these parts in quite some time. Yeah. What is theirs? (laughs) That's my main accent. It's pretty bad, I know. Sounds like a lighthouse keeper. <laughs> There's a storm coming. Well, David leaves his wife, Stephanie, at home to go buy supplies with his eight year old son, Billy, and their neighbor, Brent Norton, who David has some past issues with. There's a lawsuit hanging overhead, and there's tension. And I don't remember why. Like, the lawsuit's in the book, but I don't remember what, like, it's not really explained in the movie why there, there's tension. I don't remember. But it's just. It's fine. It's fine. I buy it. It's there. It would be there. For it's me. very much there. You yeah, can feel exactly. It. It's in the air. It's, it's in the mist. Oh yeah. yeah, it's in the mist. Cuts right through that mist like butter. They so they start heading over to the supermarket and they see like Humvees and Jeeps just driving past them and they're like, "What's going on over there?" Fucking World War Z. Something's happening shit. here. And they go in the store and they start shopping and three soldiers enter the store. On um, they're on leave. And then an MP shows up and tells him, all leave's been canceled. We need to get to the base. And then the civil defense siren starts sounding. It, the the buildup in this movie uh, is brilliant. That, you, uh, perfect. That's a scary noise. Uh, that's my favorite. That's, that's to me what's aged the best about the movie is that, that sound. It's perfect small town sphere right yep. there. Yep. <laughs> Everyone can hear it. Everyone can hear, it and everyone has a different reaction. And to you it. don't, you you. When you're watching the movie, you're not concerned about any other town that's outside of this town. Uh, you, know, you know what I mean? You're not con- you're concerned about the store. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You're not yeah. really that concerned about the more town. More focused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty amazing. It's awesome. <laughs> there are just like some people are like this is a prank. Some people are like 
that's weird. Some people are like, it's the Russians. Some people are thinking, you know, what the hell is this? And then Dan Miller runs into the store covered in blood, screaming, there's something in the mist. Yeah. And then you just see the mist cover the parking lot. And you can't see five inches in front of your it's nose. It's like white. Yeah. And then there's an earthquake <laughs> and shit start. you know, people are like, what the hell is going on? And Mrs. Carmody, this very religious nutball, starts spouting that it's Armageddon. End of, end of days. Repent. And everyone else is like, let's, let's calm down. Let's not go straight to end of the world. This yeah. is probably a thick fog or some kind of chemical spill, something. Yeah. And this woman says, I got to go get my kids. Like, I can't just stay here. I need to go get my kids. And everyone's like, you, you probably shouldn't leave. <laughs> we don't know what's, going, what's on out there. And she's like, well, is anyone going to help me? And nobody, nobody fesses up. Nobody helps her and she just goes you can all go to hell and just goes straight through the mist Whew. and that's uh melissa mcbride who plays carol on the walking dead yes another uh darabont mainstay <laughs> david uh you know is taking care of his son he wants to know what's going on with his wife wants to know if she's okay but there's nowhere to go everyone's afraid to go in the mist because dan said there's something in there so he goes in the back and finds the um Store's generator is venting exhaust into the loading bay, and something rattles the window, the uh, the gar- like the door, the outside, the loading the loading dock door. <laughs> it's terrifying because <laughs> at this point you don't know what's going on either. No idea. And he goes to get some people and says like, uh, "The generator's clogged, and something rattled the door." And Jim and uh, I don't remember the other guy's name. It was an M or something. But Jim and this other guy and Norm the bagger all call him an idiot and say, like, you don't know what you're talking about. And Jim goes straight to, you went to college, how dare you think you're better than me? Which <laughs> kind of came out of nowhere. Okay. He's yeah. clearly got some resentment. Yeah. <laughs> and they open the door to let Norm go outside and fix the clog. And this giant-ass tentacle comes in and grabs Norm. <laughs> Shit. Tears him apart. Yeah. It's creepy. There's like tentacles that like rip his skin off. Yeah. The suction cups are so powerful. They're ripping him apart. Still, still looks pretty good. Yeah. 2007. There's a little bit of, of a shine, but that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like 07. A, it's almost like a glare. Yeah. yeah. It's like that. Gl- yeah. A little fuzzy. I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's clear that it's CGI, but it's very good CGI. Yes. And the storm, like everyone's just kind of, you know, Jim and... The other guy just fall back and are petrified. David's the only one who tries to help him. Oh, and Ollie, who's there too. Yeah. They help him. Yeah. They don't help. They don't, you know, they can't fight off this tentacle thing. They do, however, chop off a piece of it and close the door. Norm gets sucked into the into oblivion. <laughs> they go to talk to store manager Bud and this biker dude, just kind of walking around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that guy that guy cracks me up. He becomes part of the solution, which is hilarious. Cracks me up that that guy was just grocery shopping, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's hilarious. Because you, you think about it, you're like, ah, oh, man, fuck, I wish I would have stayed home and was not gotten groceries today. Well, it's brilliant. Like, you think of a small-town grocery store, You tr- if you just lock the doors at any given moment in the middle of the day, who there's no telling how, like what kind of person's going to be in there. You'll get all sorts. Yeah. And I love that yeah. the movie does that. You've got all sorts. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> All sorts you'd find in Maine. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, 
Bud and this biker are convinced, you know, there's a tentacle there, and I love Bud walks out of the loading dock like, we may have a bigger problem than we thought. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No shit. <laughs> there's something out there, man, yeah. Uh, and they try to get Brent Norton involved, and he's like, ah, no, I see what you're doing here. You're pulling a fast one. I'm not stupid. And he, like, turns into lawyer mode. He's like, this is because you, because I, like, you sued me and won. That's why. So fuck you and fuck you. And, like, just goes off on this crazy tirade. And they're all like, dude, we got evidence back there. Just look at it. He's like, oh, what? You think I'm going to go back there and get fooled by a rubber snake? No. Uh-uh. Fuck yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's equal parts arrogance and equal parts real fear that he is going to see something back there. <laughs> it's it's definitely a legitimate fear. Yeah. Of being wrong, too. And, yeah. like, people, you know, not wanting to follow him or whatever. He, Yeah, he's such a strange yeah. character. So they decided to barricade the uh, front windows with dog food, which is smart. And uh, Brent decides that he's going to lead a group of people to go to leave. They're going to go get his car and they're going to get out of there. And the biker agrees to go out and try to get this guy's, this other guy's truck, this dude with a mustache, who I, always, who I thought immediately was going to be a, a bad guy, is like straight up like, yeah, I'm going to help you guys out. Yeah, here's my truck. Like, yeah. <laughs> nice dude. I liked him a lot. He gives the biker his keys to his truck and says, "Like I'm just parked right over there. You can get us over. You can get it over here. We can all get out." Yeah, because because the he, he's like, I, I, "I saw your shotgun. That might help us." You know. Yeah. So he's. <laughs> I love that. So the biker. I, I love two men just like. Yeah. You got a gun? I'll go get it, man. You just give me the keys. You know, <laughs> just making a nice little socialist, you know, mm-hmm. agreement agreement right there. <laughs> it's awesome. So the biker ties this rope around his waist. Brent's group go out into the mist and they are never seen again. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And you just see the rope fly out of the window. And you're not even surprised. No. You're like this, yeah, yeah. You're like, going up there pretty much yeah. means death. And the survivors pull back the rope and you just see the rope soaked in blood. Yeah. And they pull back the biker's legs. Gruesome. Jesus Christ. Gruesome. <laughs> Ugh. And you get the, you got the like great reaction from everybody yeah. like once they see the blood. Some of them are freaked out. Some <gasps> of them are like, "Oh God, come on!" <laughs> and around this time, they start asking like, "Does anybody have a gun? Like, how are we going to defend ourselves against these things?" And uh, what's her name? Aunt, uh, Lori Holden's character, Amanda. She pulls a gun out of her purse and says, "You know, her husband wanted me to protect myself," and. Bud starts asking, like, is anybody here a good shot? And Ollie's like, yeah, state champion. <laughs> like, all right. I love that. And Bud's like, you're a fucking bag boy. You don't know. And I love that Ollie says, like, he says something like, we'll talk about this later, but right now, shut the fuck up and listen. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. God damn. So good. <laughs> and he is a great shot. He doesn't miss a single shot with that gun. Amazing. <laughs> so. State, state champion. Ollie has the gun. Night falls. And these giant insects show up, and that freaked me out. It reminded me of that uh, the the like monster pit in King Kong. Yeah, like Ugh. these things came Fuck. from Skull Island. <laughs> King Kong is scary. That movie is terrifying. We're gonna do that. Yes, yes, we are. Because it, it it's a horror movie. It stayed with I've I've only seen it like three times as a kid, and it has stayed with me ever since. Yeah, yeah. I, I had I had friends when I was younger because that came out what like oh five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, we were we were young. That was Peter Jackson's follow up to Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I really like it. I think it still still looks amazing. I think it's too long. It is a little long. I was about to yeah. say that the, the, it takes too long to get there. Yes, 
I which agree. which the first time I saw it was like epic, and you're like, oh, that build up. But then you're just like, all right. The second that slug thing ate Andy Circus's head, Dude. I was checked out, and I had nightmares. From uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's. Some, I was ten years old. I didn't need that there's shit. There's some big old critters, <laughs> critters in that. Ugh. Don't like them. Yeah. Fuck bugs. Goddamn. So yeah, these giant insects fly around. They get uh, one of the sales clerks. And she has such a grisly fucking death. It stings her, and she just balloons up, and you just know she suffered. And Greatly. Then, oh, yeah. yeah. And that's uh, Alexa Davalos. For you Angel fans, she was Gwen Radin, the uh, girl with electric powers. Nice. Who hooked up with Angel a couple times. <laughs> Can't say I watched. Yeah. I was a big fan. Yeah. And uh, ugh, she just, yeah, the thing bites her on the neck, or stings her on the neck, and her face and neck just... <laughs> balloon up it's frightening incredible i thought she was gonna explode <laughs> yeah yeah it was like Willy wonka yeah. and these things just start attacking people and the people <laughs> david's like beating one to death with a crowbar and they they're lighting him on fire it's like they're cavemen yeah and one of them lands on mrs carmody and it doesn't bite her and this mm. immediately starts making people think she's a prophet because she's been screaming about armageddon and how we must repent and how this is god's judgment upon us and now the monsters won't hurt her. They're like, huh. In reality, it's probably just, you know, the same deal as a wasp. You don't bother it, it won't bother you. Yeah. Yeah. True. <laughs> They're more scared of you than you are scared of it. And she starts like praying, praying, and that didn't help. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> God. Everything that has to go wrong for this woman to get power is so infuriating every time I watch this. So David starts realizing, we need to get the fuck out of here. Some, like, this lady's getting stronger and eventually she's going to start demanding things because she's getting a following so they decide we're going to go to the pharmacy next door king's pharmacy by the way so good <laughs> and he takes dan private jessup and uh mike bobby i don't remember who they are probably cannon fodder and irene and jim and ollie to the neighboring pharmacy and this is a freaking creepy ass scene because the pharmacy is just Decked out in spider webs. Yeah. And you see the MP from earlier, you know, strung up on the wall. And he's just like, it's our fault. We're, I'm sorry. It's our fault. And whew, and just spiders just crawl out of that guy. It was so unnerving. Ugh. Ugh. Mike and Bobby are killed by the spiders. Yep. See? <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Hey, yep, yep. Yep. They get some of the supplies and they get the hell out of there. And when they get back... Um, Mrs. Carmody has already recruited the survivors to the store, um, like to her side, Jim especially, who's just really fucked up from all of this. And the other two soldiers who came in with Jessup hang themselves in the back room. Oof. Ugh. And Jessup says like they were talking about it, but I didn't think they'd really do it. Like it's really getting, like the the despair is real <laughs> for sure, for sure. Oof. I, yeah, I, I can't say enough. I, every scene you're going through, I love. Yeah, I'm realizing I liked it more than um, that. That happens a lot when you just kind of talk about each scene. Oh yeah, they just, they just kind of start stacking up, I know. and the atmosphere just keeps kind of creeping in on you, creeping in on you, and creeping in on you. And then there's like a scare and a scare and a scare. And, ah, there's no, there's no escape. Oh no, until the credits. It's terrifying. It really is. Yeah, yeah. This is a great one. <laughs> good pick. <laughs> I love when it's a good pick. Well, yeah, with the king, with the king, uh, you know, he has he has so many cool stories. 
The films are there's so many. I know. And there's there's been so many different kinds novels of novels and short stories yeah. and so much and so many done. directors and writers and screenplays and all these different kinds of ideas and minds going into it for it to work the way it did here. Uh, it's just awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> and Jessup starts talking and like I you know to that everybody like we know like they they said that there was something going on at the military base. Jim overhears this grabs Jessup and hurls him into Mrs. Carmody's people and says, it was yeah. this son of a bitch. It was his fault. His people, they did this. And he starts saying, like, I, they said something about the Arrowhead project, something about opening other dimensions, and I think maybe they did it. And Mrs. Carmody says, he needs to be sacrificed. He did this. It's his fault. Like, just the jumps of, like, the yeah. leaps in logic here. Ugh, she just wants blood. She's vicious. She's a monster. And I love how vague the answer to what all this is. You know, just Arrowhead Project, a government attempt to open portals to other dimensions. Yeah. And something came through. That is all you need. Because it's immediately like, fuck, that's terrifying. Because <laughs> that, you know, I could see that happening. Like, yeah. In the near future, if we get, you know, if we figure out a way to possibly reach other dimensions... This, like, we're going to open a door to hell. (laughs) Shit's going to come through, man. Agreed. Oh, God. Creepy. And uh, the the butcher guy at the the store just starts stabbing Jessup with a giant knife. And they just, this mob grabs Jessup and throws him out the front door. So sad. And this giant praying mantis thing grabs him and just eats him. Oh, dude. Amazing. (laughs) Amazing. That, 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 that creature makes me feel like I'm 10 again. I'm just like, whoa, you know? Yeah. You know what I mean? The monsters are so creative. Yeah, you're just like, what the fuck? Yeah, freaked out. <laughs> freaked out, but at the same time, just enthralled by, oh, yeah. by the stature and the, yeah, the, the noise. You know, you just love that shit, you know? I don't know. I've, I've always loved that stuff growing up. From A Bug's Life to, <laughs> to, to King Kong to The Mist. <laughs> oh, man. So the next morning, David <laughs> realizes, all right, we need to get out of here. We definitely need to leave. Right now. <laughs> like, leave, leave, yeah. And uh, Ollie says he left several bags of food up at the front. All I got to do is go grab them. And David and his group start heading up to the front. They go to where Ollie left the bags. The bags aren't there. Of course not. Mrs. Carmody is there waiting for him and <laughs> says that they're deserting. Like, who are you to interfere with God's plan? Like, all this crazy shit. Yeah. And her people just start swarming like fucking children of the corn. <laughs> and, <laughs> and she starts demanding Billy, David's son, needs to be sacrificed. He needs to be the expiation, the blood that the monsters demand. And she says, kill the whore too. Like, Jesus Christ. They're going to kill the school teacher. And Ollie walks up, puts one in her stomach, and everyone just shocked. State champ. He puts another one in her head. State champ. Mm, most satisfying moment of the whole goddamn movie. And just they start pointing at it, people. Everyone's dropping their weapons and they realize like, oh shit, he's got a gun. And they leave. No, not only does he have a gun, oh, he can shoot. Yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Carmody's dead on the floor. Most movies, the guy can't shoot. Nope. <laughs> this guy can. This guy's best assistant manager of a grocery store yes. ever. Look out, Dwight Schrute. <laughs> I love Ollie so much. I love the bullet. Mm. When I read it, I had the same reaction as when I watched it. I bet, I bet. (laughs) It's fantastic. So they leave. 
They make it to the parking lot. Ollie gets ripped in half by the praying mantis. The gun ends up on the hood of the car. We knew, right? I kind of know. I didn't want it. Of course I not. Didn't want it to be like this guy's too. <laughs> he's too much of a side character, too nerdy, and too <laughs> like uh, too, too much of a hero. Yeah, yeah to, to 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 live. <laughs> Only yeah. the good die young. Truck guy with the shotgun gets eaten too. I like yeah. him. Yeah. Bud, the assistant manager, runs back into the store, and yeah. I thought they weren't going to let him in the store. I know they did. David, Billy, Dan, and Amanda and Irene make it to the car, and the survivors just watch them drive off. When they're just driving past the window, and they're all looking at them like, "Oh my God, they got out!" Yeah, like right. fuck you guys. The music is perfect. It's, I, see you later, motherfuckers. You know, like from Hangover. You feel, I feel that exact. Quote. They're all just so like, "What have we done?" <laughs> they drive. They're trying to figure out, you know, what do we do? And they're just like, "Let's keep driving until we get out of this shit." Yeah, and okay, that's, that brings up my, my favorite, the thing that makes this such a good movie to me, aside from it being like an awesome horror movie, is, is, that, is that very, like, emotion of you get stuck in a scenario, you, your phones are all dead, everything's, you, you're kind of disoriented, and you, you don't focus and sit back for a second and relax. You, like, look, what's the next thing we have to do, next thing, next thing, next thing. And, you know, this is how most, um, I think, populations, you know, at, like especially at grocery stores, would operate. And they would allow whoever is going to take control, take control, because people are, like, kind of weak and vulnerable. Most people know? are sheep. Yeah, so yeah. so if you have... So, like, I work at HEB, giant grocery store. <laughs> so if this happened, it's a much bigger scale because it's a giant store. Yeah. But there are definitely people I work with that I know who would try to, like, all right, guys, this is what we're going to do. And that's the way things go. That's how, like, situations go, whether it be back against the wall against a giant monster with tentacles or just, like, a basketball game. You know, we, we have to, like, rally and, like, figure it out. Yeah. And someone usually is, like, the captain and take, takes charge. In this particular part of the United States, in Maine, at this weird grocery store, this psycho bitch lady took over. But there's one guy who's like, oh, I can't. <laughs> he's like Jack from Lost. He's like, I just can't. I can't do this, man, you know? Well, he's got his son to think about. Yeah, and that, again, that's, that's like family. He's the only one who's like stepping and looking at the scenario and being like, all right, <laughs> I want to live my life how it was like a few moments ago. Yeah. So let's get back to like, let's figure that out. They were but only, most people are just like, yeah. ah, yeah, even if they don't have their phone, you know? They were less. only here for two days. Yes, exactly. They went completely religiously apeshit in yes, two days. Two days with no, yeah, with no, yeah. When, when you don't have your, your TV and your phone and, and a, a source of, like, a, a guidance of, like, where, what time it is and where things are, yeah. you lose your fucking mind, you know? And here comes this lady preaching some kind of answer. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what makes this movie stand so strongly to me, The Mist, is, is, is that, that human, that extremely humane part of the film. <laughs> And part of the story, you know, I need to read the book because I'm sure it's just as effective. Yeah. I feel so, I, I, I feel that it's so authentic and that that could, that could be happening. It doesn't matter that it's Maine. That's happening all over the United States. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's kind of how I feel about The Walking Dead. It's like, this is a story about, even though it's focused on this one group and this particular part of the United States, mm -hmm. this is happening everywhere. It is implied in the movie that this and, is going on everywhere. Exactly. Like, this is a, this is a thing. Yeah. Uh, we're just showing you this perspective. Yeah. I love that. I fucking love that. I love the small scale of pop. Look, yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Really, really genius, genius uh, setting. Um, we really don't leave that place. We don't. Um, Except for like once or twice. Yeah, and uh, man, it's just great. 
it makes it age really well, that part of it. The emotion behind it. Yeah, you for know? sure. Because uh, a horror movie can, any movie can scare you, you know, whatever. They can make you jump. Um, but if it stays with you? But if it really, if the story and the, the way that people are interacting and going against each other and trying to pit each other against one another, ah, that's, that's a good movie. Yeah. yeah that's why we chose it. Oh, yeah. And as they drive through the mist, David decides, you know, he's got to go home, find out if his wife is okay. Yeah. She's been dead for a long time. Yeah. Spiders got in the house. Which we, which we also yeah. figured. We had a, I had a little hope as an as a audience, but no. No. And this movie's too no, authentic. No. It's too real. So he's devastated. They start driving south. They pass just so many ruined vehicles. And this giant, like, 40-foot elephant monster. Thing, yeah. Like, straight out of Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, like, yeah. Ugh. So that's what had the tentacles that came through the, the loading dock. And hours later, they run out of gas. And the group realizes... We don't have a lot of options here. It's either get eaten by the monsters or take care of it ourselves. It's it's the bleakest fucking ending in movie history. Yeah. It's so, uh, it's tough to watch every single time. And they all decide, you know, they've got five people, four bullets. And David agrees, like they all agree, it's a better way out. And David kills all four of them, including his own son. And then just panics and freaks out, puts the empty gun in his mouth, tries to shoot himself. It's so devastating. And he leaves the car, and immediately the mist recedes, and the military has arrived. Oh! Every time, I can't believe it. Every time. Oh, it hurts. It hurts so bad. He has to live. And then, with this, while he... He's looking at the military and a truckload of survivors pass by and the woman who left the store at the beginning is there with her kids. Yes. She's fine. Uh, and he, he just collapses to his knees. A broken man. No rhyme or reason. Oh, God. That's the end of the movie, man. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, it hurts. It's a painful ending. Painful. <laughs> Stays with you. Brilliant. It's not the same ending as the book. The book is a lot more ambiguous. Can you, would you mind? I don't mind if you spill it. It's basically, uh, right before they decide to kill themselves, <coughs> they just, like, that's kind of the end of the book. Like, they, they keep driving. Uh, okay, that, yeah. David thinks about it like, I've yeah. got four bullets and five people. Yeah. What do I do? Yeah. But he doesn't make that decision. He just keeps driving, hoping, hoping he finds a way out of the mist. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's more ambiguous. Like, is he going to get out? Probably not. Mm-hmm. In the movie, it's very much like, no, they all died, and he lost his, he lost his mind. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. He had to kill his own kid, now he has to live. Like, and King like, apparently really liked that ending. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, there was a TV series made from the novella in 2017. It lasted one season on Spike TV, a channel that disappeared shortly after. The characters are completely different. The mist is able to affect people's minds, and the primary setting this time is a mall. The series was horribly received by critics, and the series was canceled after 10 episodes. Yep, Spike TV. (laughs) Remember that? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Barely. My God. Yeah, I've I've seen trailers and uh, some stills, and I just think, I just thought, like, this looks fucking awful. I'm not even. Yeah, no thanks. Fuck that. Here's some filmgasm facts. On the mist, number one, 
Stephen King says he was genuinely frightened by this adaptation of his novella. Frank Darabont described that as the happiest moment of his career. <laughs> to scare Stephen King, that's, that's a notch in the belt. Primo, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's something to brag about. Number two, Stephen King got the idea for the source novel when he was in a main market. When he noticed the front window was made of plate glass, he wondered what would happen if giant insects flew into it. And that's where the mist came from. That's just what his day-to-day thoughts are like. <laughs> yeah. Huh. wonder if big-ass bugs killed everybody right now. <laughs> How would they react? <laughs> Not well. And Steven. he wrote it on the way home. Not well, Stephen. <laughs> after snorting a line of cocaine. This was the 80s? Yeah, this was middle of the... Yep. For sure. Oh, well, he's probably, he probably did cocaine, then went grocery shopping. He probably was like, what should I call this? And he sneezed and all the cocaine flew off his desk and there was a, a white mist and he thought, ah, oh, the mist. <laughs> but first I gotta go get more coke. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> Number three, Darabont felt the novella's ending where the survivors dry off, drive off into the mist hoping to reach safety was too open-ended for a film. But contrary to the belief that he simply created this new one himself, the inspiration is right there in King's tale. David in the story thinks to himself that if worse comes to worse, they have three bullets in the gun and four people in the truck. King never has them act on it, but Darabont says, quote, If we're going to make a horror movie based on a Stephen King story, let's take Steve's most horrible, dour, and darkest thought and follow it out to its logical conclusion. Bet he is a fun guy at parties. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, in the supermarket, Irene Rippler is reading the newspaper The Castle Rock Times. Castle Rock is a town from the trinity of fictional main towns created and widely used in by Stephen King. Wonderful. Hell yeah. I actually thought this town was, like the, I thought the movie was set in Castle Rock when I saw her reading the, the newspaper. But right. It's Bridgeton. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Number five, the original Stephen King novella was also the inspiration for the video game Half-Life, where scientists at a top-secret military base are running experiments with interdimensional portals and open the floodgates to his hostile inhabitants. Yeah, man. I've never played Half-Life. Never mind. It's a popular series. Yeah, I have a couple of buddies who, yeah, enjoy it. Number six, before this, this one hurts. Before David and his group leaves, Mrs. Carmody requests that Billy and Amanda be sacrificed. A popular theory by fans is that Mrs. Carmody was right and that Billy's and Amanda's deaths at the end made the mist and the monsters go away. Oh, God. Given that the mist recedes soon after David kills them. Yeah. How fucking heartbreaking would that be? The only way to stop this was to kill his own son. Kill the kid. Oh, yikes. Jesus. And this one, whew, number seven, the line, my life for you, spoken by Mrs. Carmody in the film, is a recurring line in other Stephen King texts, spoken by villainous characters to Randall Flagg, superpowered master of evil in several King stories. Flagg did this shit. Amazing. This is Randall Flagg's invasion of Earth. That's what this is. <laughs> Mrs. Carmody is one of his vessels. Yes. Yeah. Fuck yes. I'm in. <laughs> All in. Randall Flagg. <laughs> that guy scares the fuck out of me. I love, I love Randall Flagg. Whenever me, he pops up. Every time there's an evil in Stephen King's story, I always keep looking for clues. Like, where? how is this connected to Frank? Randall, where are you? <laughs> Oof. The Mist is just such an eerie, unsettling, brilliant character study, and I give it a solid nine. Yes, same. Nine for me as well. Uh, definitely one of my favorite, our favorite horror movies of, of that decade. Easily. Um, yeah, just, just fantastic. I find something new to like about this. Yeah, it's so rewatchable. It. So mm-hmm. rewatchable. Even though, even though it has that bleak-ass ending, it's, it, 
Yeah, it's awesome. But it makes sense. It's not out of nowhere. No, like, it no. works for the movie. It's not over the top either. No, you know? it's subtle. Makes it, sense, like you said. It fucking hurts. Ugh, just everyone, no, nobody says it either. They all just nod like we all know. So tough. Ugh. It's one of my favorites of the decade. So what do we got for Friday's bonus? <sighs> well, Frank Darabont, Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Come on now. What else we do? The Shawshank Redemption. The Shawshank Redemption. Rated as the greatest movie of all time on IMDb. Oh, yeah. I don't have any arguments with that. I don't know if I can name what the best movie is. That's really hard. But <laughs> Shawshank, I think, is, I'll go ahead and say, the strongest standalone film that we're going to have done uh, so far. Yeah. Uh, Shawshank is, it, it's an undisputed legendary film it is classic amongst everybody really i i don't i don't really meet anyone who's like yeah fuck that movie you know um you, you hear people say that about like forrest gump <laughs> uh you hear people say they're not super interested in pulp fiction yeah but you don't hear that shit about shawshank redemption it's such a flawless perfect gem of a movie for everybody it's for everybody it warms your heart it breaks your heart yeah it's everything and we're super excited to talk about it we don't even need to, uh, you know, it's obviously a massive, big, whopping, huge 10 from both of us. Yeah. We're going to go into that, and we're just going to dive deep into that film because we both adore it. We'll share some personal stories about why we love it so much, what, just what it means, what it means to us as fans, because obviously it means the world to the movie world. <laughs> yeah. So we'll talk about it, what it means personally, I think, is, is, is what we're both excited about with the shot, Shank. It's, Absolutely. It's a, it's a great way to start 2020. Yes. First bonus, 2020. Yeah. Frank Darabont. Oh, God. <laughs> So, with that said, what happened this week in film? Let's take a look. Oh, boy. Ryan Reynolds has confirmed that Marvel is working on Deadpool 3. Of course. We all knew it was coming, but it's nice to get confirmation, especially after the Disney Fox acquisition, which kind of put this movie in uh, danger of being A little bit of jeopardy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Disney doesn't do R-rated movies, which I don't get. Just have a sub company. What does it matter? Keep Fox alive and do all your R-rated shit through them. Like, why is this complicated? I I don't know. (sighs) There's money in R-rated films these days. Hell yeah, look at Joker. Yeah. Look at Deadpool. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. yeah well, those <laughs> movies were hugely successful. You have to you look outside your own. Yeah, fuck. I really well, hope well, they don't. Well, yeah, I mean, look what happened when they went from PG to PG-13 with Pirates of the Caribbean. You know what I mean? I really hope Come they on. don't water it down. Ah, that would be... But now that it is in the Marvel Universe, there's going to be some crazy cameos. Yeah. Captain America. Like crazy fuck. shit. Fuck. It's going to be awesome. Matt Damon. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, Lolita actress Sue Lyon has died at age 73. Lyon was forever associated with her role as underage sex icon Lolita in Stanley Kubrick's 1962 film of the same name that follows a teacher who becomes sexually obsessed with his landlady's underage daughter. Lyon played the role when she was 15, and it never left her. And this is a film that I did like. People don't like to hear that when I tell people that I I enjoyed Lolita. They give me a weird look. Especially in film class in college. Yeah. The Kubrick class we t- I took when we did Lolita. And I was like, I raised my hand. I was like, I thought this was a very good film. A couple heads turned to me. And I'm like, I'm not a pedophile. I'm just saying it was a good movie. Yeah. Like, fuck you. I like Taxi Driver. <laughs> I like, you know, I like, I like stuff that has, yeah, I don't know. I think it's a good movie too. Yeah. I'm a big Pulp Fiction fan. I never shot a black kid in the face. So yeah. it's not how movies work. I've also, yeah, I also don't condone fucking stuff like that going on in Pawn Shop. You know, in oh, Pulp yeah. Fiction, but you know, it's a movie. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Lolita is a weird movie, but it is a very good movie. Effective and good. Yeah. James yes. Mason, Peter Sellers. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Crazy. Just all horrible people. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, your hero is a guy who's trying to fuck an underage girl. Yeah. That's our hero. What the hell? And if you haven't seen Lolita, it is a, it's, it's a good watch. And I think it's on Netflix right now. I think it is too. I think yeah. you're right. I was about to say that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we're inevitably, we've talked about this many times. We're going to do a Kubrick episode and we'll talk about Lolita there. Yeah. His movies will come up all, always all oh, the time. Big time. Next up, Simon Pegg has announced that he isn't sure if the modern Star Trek cast will be returning for Noah Hawley's new Star Trek film. Originally thought to be Star Trek IV, the film may be something else set in the Star Trek universe, which is okay. I'm a little less excited about it now. Yeah. <laughs> I like the current, the current Star Trek cast. I think they're really good together. Yeah, they're fine. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, But, you know, Noah Hawley has definitely <laughs> gone up in points for me after I watched Fargo. Yeah. So... I'm down for whatever he wants to do. He's a good writer. Yeah. He's a very good writer. Next up, Uncharted director Travis Knight may be abandoning the project due to scheduling conflicts with star Tom Holland, who will likely be filming his third Spider-Man movie first. I saw that, yeah. If Knight leaves, he will be the seventh director to exit the seemingly cursed project. That is not good. Yikes. Seven directors. Uncharted is, is dead. It's not happening. I've even seen pictures of Tom Holland in the, the whole get-up. Fuck. Spider-Man wins. They can't do it. They can't do it. They just, they can't. just can't do it. Finally, Universal's anthropomorphic disaster Cats is looking at an estimated $100 million box office loss. Turns out nobody liked it, and it will go down as one of the worst films of all time and a black stain on the careers of everyone involved, especially Oscar-winning director Tom Hooper, who wrote and directed the movie. Yeah, I don't even know if we can say no one liked it. No one saw it. No one gives a shit. Everyone who did see it like was freaked out people, by it. People who saw it are people who have too much money or too much time, or they do this for their for their for a living. They go see movies and critique them, or they were really high and wanted to see what would happen. Yeah, or or they're like <laughs> or they're like into that shit sexually. I don't, you know, like <laughs> it is the creepiest looking like the screenshots that I've seen from the film. I'm like, fuck that. But dude. like Tom Hooper, he won an Oscar for directing The King's Speech. He was nominated again for Les Mis, which is a huge success. And he fucking does cats. I'm not a fan of him, really. He's yeah. done. That's it for Tom Hooper. Yeah, Hope not. you enjoyed your career. Right? It's, go- it's not happening again. Ugh. And that is all for this week, listeners. Next week is Weird Shit Wednesday, episode 45. And we're tearing apart the Schumacher Batman movies, as well as pointing out the positives. It's going to be a Batman extravaganza, so don't miss it. Can't wait. This is a new decade for the podcast and for us, and we're going to do everything we can to make 2020 the best year of filmgasm ever. Until next week, stay out of the mist, and if you get trapped in a grocery store, try to hold on to your sanity for longer than two days. Repent. See you Friday.